One, two, three, yes. Wrestling. You are listening to the only episode 48 of 123 Yes Wrestling There Will Ever Be. This week we talk about the WWE Draft, the demise of the Firefly Funhouse, and week three of AEW. That and so much more this week. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on all podcasts and social media services. And if you want to join the conversation, shoot us an email at 123YesWrestling at gmail.com. But for now, enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to 123 Yes Wrestling, where we are the only wrestling podcast that's going to bring any love to wrestling this week. I'm Chris, and as always, I'm joined by Corey and Ed. How are we doing, guys? Well, before we get into some wrestling, I have something I have to confess. I have moles. Yes, the subterranean (laughs) mammal is in... And around my property. And boys, I've been dealing with this for about six months. And for six months, these guys have torn up my yard. They've literally made me feel like Bill Murray and Caddyshack every time I try to do anything nice in my front or backyard with the landscaping. And I started with little poisons. I started with little little gummy worms that you put in their holes to try to poison them. Wouldn't work. In fact, I felt it made it worse. So I hired professionals about a month ago to put these very macabre mole traps inside of the ground. And I can report that I have set a new record for mole capture in the city of Griffith, according to them. They have captured and killed seven moles in a month from my property. And usually there's only one of these bastards per every four square miles. I've had seven captured and I have the documents to prove it. These are the, (laughs) these are the notes to prove it. That's one thing. Now, the other thing is this, we've had some interesting text messaging about going on about wrestling this week. Corey is going to convince you that this has been the best week of wrestling for WWE since Vince McMahon was revealed to be the higher power. I'm here to tell you that is horse manure. But Corey, go ahead and tell us why you think this week was great. Hold on, wannabe gym rats. I got to intervene. What in God's name is going on here? Is this a wrestling podcast or a, a stupid episode of some environmental protection agency? I, You know what? We'll let Ed deal with his professional mole removers as I present my weekly sits and fits. Well, it's another week of the nearly 287 hours of wrestling programming that will probably lead to more single Morlocks than a Dungeons and Dragons convention. And of course, the Morlocks are in full force as they try to act like professional promoters telling people what they should do, even though these same people fail to listen to their own moms when the mom said, move out. Why isn't anyone talking about the fact that WWE 
has officially demonstrated Larson on their programming. I mean, people noticed Eric Bischoff getting fired. But what about the fact that Rollins burned down a house? But no, we have to worry about the adultery being displayed by Lana and Lashley. But what about the fact that Rollins actually killed puppets? Nope. Let's focus on the return of Tommaso Ciampa. How about the fact that Rollins killed the Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt? Now, no. Let's let's focus on the AEW title match with that job squad reject Darby Allen. When do we get justice for Wyatt after all? I mean, the man has had two houses purposely burned down and you wonder why the man is unstable. I mean, even that dancing NFL robot idiot has sympathy for Wyatt. And spoiler, robots have no feelings. Would someone please get the big boss man, Nails, the APA, PETA? I don't care who it is. I mean, we need justice for Wyatt. So you know what? I'm done delivering my message until there's justice. That's Mr. Fitness's sits and fits reminding you don't sit just stay fit well yeah beat that you little trout sniffer <laughs> uh, yeah did he say pita i don't think um never mind delicious well we are here episode 48 the only one there will ever be I have not had nearly as exciting of a week as it seems like everyone else has, but wrestling has been exciting, and it's the best and worst kind of ways, and we're going to get all into that. I have one plug, which you guys know is coming, but I have to do it right here in the beginning of the show, but starting tomorrow, or when this episode drops, October 18th, a movie that I made and star in called Jackson is going to be on Amazon Prime to watch so if you are a member of amazon prime look up jackson and watch it put it on you don't even have to sit through it just turn it on and get, give me the click i will appreciate it review it write review um it's also available for rent for 99 cents if you don't have amazon prime but that is my cheap plug that you guys are going to get tired of shortly but that's and, what i got going on and hold on fans can you remind him that he has to pay for that advertisement to one two three yes wrestling yeah, I'm a I'm 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 officially a sponsor for One Two Three Yes Wrestling. <laughs> we did give the movie two thumbs up, though, didn't we, Corey? Uh, w- wait a minute. We there were thumbs. Oh, never mind. <laughs> wrestling. Oh. So we are going to dive right into this week of wrestling. We're going to start with Friday Night Smackdown last Friday, which was night one of the draft. And really the only news that came out of wrestling this week was that uh, looks like Eric Bischoff has been fired. And Bruce Pritchard has taken his place as Smackdown Executive Director. Now, apparently Dave Meltzer said no one was shocked that it happened. And Tom Cullohue, which is a wrestling journalist, he's had a Fox contact that told him significant promises were made that they did not feel were upheld and that they are concerned about undisclosed personnel changes by WWE. So apparently no one was shocked that Eric Bischoff went is gone now. And he's already signed up for StarCast 4, so that was fast. And uh, apparently there's some behind-the-scenes rumblings of displeasure already. 
any any thoughts on this this pretty much only news that came out this week? You know, I mean, the the one thing I knew before Bischoff officially took on his role, and he said it on his podcast that, you know, he wasn't fully up to date on the current product. So he admitted that it was going to take some time to acclimate to not only the product itself, but then probably just the way the business is today. Because I think even Bruce Pritchard admitted that it's it's a lot different than the last time he stepped in behind the scenes at WWE. So um, am I shocked by this? Uh, probably just by the fact that, you know, I'm surprised they didn't just give him some more time. Because I, I think it's just a classic case of, you know, he really just uh, couldn't get adjusted and things were probably not moving smoothly. And obviously this is rough timing to try to get acclimated when you got this big Fox thing that, you know, they were building up towards. So I think it's an unfortunate loss. I agree. I am very surprised he didn't get more time. Um, I think he, you know, obviously was very respectful to Bruce Pritchard. And so Bruce was very respectful of him too on Twitter. You know, the details, you know, I, I don't, I mean, even the uh, report by that fellow with the awesome last name, um, it doesn't really, it's very, it's very vague. I mean, that's a very vague report, even if it is true, uh, you know, and like to Corey's point, we didn't have any time to even see what this guy could have done in a creative sense. Now, we all know there were reports that he was more or less hired to handle the facility of transitioning from network to network because he's had experience with that. Maybe that had something to do with it. Personally, um, I think it's a sign that Vince McMahon may have just made these hires for show. That's my opinion. And I wouldn't be surprised if Paul Heyman doesn't make it either. Um, if these were true creative roles. Um, but we'll see, you know. Um, I just, I actually feel for Bischoff because the guy picked up and moved pretty much across the country. He had a really nice little ranch out in the middle of nowhere. He seemed like he was really happy. Hopefully he'll be able to just get back to that life because I think that's, I think he was a pretty happy guy where he was and this kind of came out of nowhere. So I just know from experience, it's not easy to pick up and move. I'm sure he's going to get paid and, you know, I don't feel that much sympathy, but it's it's very it's very interesting. I don't really have a full grasp of why this happened, and I'm curious to see, you know, more information come out, especially from Bischoff, because I'm sure he'll he'll open up. I'm sure he will, and I'm we will report about it when we hit it. Now we're week two of Friday Night SmackDown on Fox, week one of the draft, which we're going to talk about the draft here a little bit later. So we're we're just going to focus here a little bit on the actual show. Um, first things first was that SmackDown dropped about a million viewers from the Fox premiere. So they had about 3.8 million viewers for the premiere. And this week, this week's episode, episode two, they were down to 2.8 million viewers. So is that a substantial drop? Is that a good drop? Now, according to in their defense in this, they were number one in the demo of 18 to 49, which is the all coveted demo. And they were number one. No one was close to them for Friday night. So Fox is reportedly happy about what they got but they did still lose a million viewers that did not come back so it should should they be concerned yet do we need to wait to week three and see if they slip back down to you know the two million that raw and smackdown normally at yeah i, I think you definitely got to wait a little bit i mean obviously any you know 
the first episode's the first episode. It's going to create intrigue anyway. And then, of course, they loaded it with um, well-established stars of the past. And when you do those kind of things and then you put the monarch of, didn't they say it was the 20th anniversary? So when you add all those elements to it, it's going to create more appeal versus just an ordinary weekly SmackDown episode. So I would definitely say don't even wait till next week. Wait like a month from now, two months from now, and let's let's see what the numbers are. I'm not willing to go that far because now that Eric Bischoff is gone, I may be able to give them a pass creatively on what's been happening on the blue brand. Paul Heyman's not going to get a pass. We'll talk about that later. But on the blue brand, there might have been some chaos happening. So I'm going to give it a week. I want to see what Bruce Pitt Pritchard can do by next week's SmackDown. But week after week after week after week on this podcast, we have talked about just wait this way. Just wait. Just wait. It's going to all make sense soon. It's all going to make sense. I'm tired of waiting. I want the product to be great again. Just like America. I'm not getting it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to tell a story, guys. It's it's a it's an uplifting tale. Wow. It twists and turns, and it starts in February of this year when Ali was injured and Kofi Kingston got put in the elimination chamber match, and he was unstoppable and he won gauntlet matches and he came close to winning the WWE championship. And then he kept getting screwed by Vince McMahon and screwed by Vince McMahon. And then Kofi Kingston was like, no man, I, I got to do this power of positivity. So then Kofi Kingston gets the number one contendership and he fights Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania in, in what was arguably one of the biggest WrestleMania moments, the best feel good tears in my eyes. Everybody watched Kofi Kingston climb to the top of the mountain and become WWE champion. Even Daniel Bryan says that was one of his greatest moments, just being a part of that. And then we had this run of Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston was the WWE champion, something that nobody thought would ever happen. I had to, I had to boom, boom, boom when I walked into rooms because I made a bet 10 years ago that it would never happen, and it happened. And everybody was all happy for Kofi and Kofi Mania, and he went to Ghana, and he went around the world saying, anyone can do this. And we were so happy and proud of Kofi Kingston. And then he beat everybody. He beat Samoa Joe. He beat Randy Orton. He was beating on everybody. And then up comes Brock Lesnar. Six months after winning the championship and Brock Lesnar, they just all of a sudden he becomes the number one contender for the first SmackDown on Fox. And we're like, Kofi's going to beat him. Kofi's got to beat him. That's no way. What are they going to do? Are they going to do a feud? What's going to happen? So then it comes the night. SmackDown. First SmackDown on Fox. The main event. Kofi Kingston versus Brock Lesnar. We get the introductions. We get everything. And then the match starts and Kofi Kingston jumps on Brock Lesnar and takes an F5 and loses. And then it's like, whoa, Kofi Kingston just got flattened and everyone was confused as to what was going to happen. So then everybody was like, well, where's this going? Let's wait and see what the story is going to tell. What's going to happen? What's going to happen next week when Kofi Kingston wants redemption? When Kofi Kingston wants retribution for what happened and he wants that title back? What is he going to know? No way Kofi Kingston's going to come out throwing pancakes. There's no way Kofi Kingston is going to do anything but want revenge for that embarrassing loss. So what happens on Friday Night Smackdown? Kofi Kingston comes out throwing pancakes with the New Day and never even talks about the WWE Championship. So apparently Kofi Kingston does not care that he lost that belt or even had it. So why the hell should we care 
that Kofi Kingston was ever WWE champion or who WWE champion is. Because if that's what we get, Kofi Kingston and nothing changes. Like, I didn't mind that he was throwing pancakes when he was the champ, if that's what he wanted to do. But come on, damn it. Now, I mean, nothing. We get nothing from Kofi Kingston. Like, he just does a Susan G. Komen segment with the New Day. And that's just it. But let's, okay, let's really look at this from a clear clear view because I I think you're clouding a lot of things here. So (laughs) SmackDown is on Fox now. Fox. What is Fox known for? Sports. Racism. (laughs) G-Channel. No, you you guys can laugh, but I got a lot of my, my reasoning here. But you guys cannot look at me with a straight face. Fox wants WWE to appear to be a legit sport, okay? And when you're thinking about what does a legit sport in wrestling look like, you got to look at your characters. And you know what? I like Kofi Kingston. I love The New Day. But let's face the facts. It's a comedy act. You cannot look at Kofi Kingston, the way he looks, his presentation, the pancakes. He did the pancake throwing even while he was champion. And you cannot look at him and say – and automatically think legitimate athlete. You don't. So they put it on Brock Lesnar, and as much as we want to criticize uh, Brock Lesnar's status in the company, his limited dates, the the amount of money he makes and whatnot, but the fact is his presentation, he is a legit athlete. He did the UFC. Um, He was a college wrestler. I mean, everything about him spells legitimate athlete. And they're trying to get the casual viewer of Fox to tune in to wrestling. How but do you what know? does that do for your embedded base? What about us? We have to transition. I'm not into, transitioning shit. No, I'm here's the a thing. fan of it's, good wrestling. I'm not changing for them. Fox. Ed, you've transitioned over time. Wrestling in the 80s is was not the same as it was in the late 90s. Wrestling in the late 90s is not the same as it is today. It transitions. Wrestling is on Fox now. Now we're in the real sport. We're trying to do the, the sport era. In Which is, I'm okay with. I'm okay with that. But why bury Kofi Kingston? Right. Why not make him a real sport? Why not Plus, make him a real athlete? Why, not, why bury Kofi Kingston? Because the fact is, I mean, unless, I mean, unless you do a repackage, but I don't even think a repackage is going to get a, Everyone to forget that he was this pancake throwing comedy act. But nobody, but the new audience that they're trying to appeal to doesn't know that he throws pancakes. So if Kofi Kingston came out this week and said, I lost my title and I'm embarrassed, and you know what? I'm I'm taking it back. And he steps up, then this new audience is gonna go, I like this guy. He's spunky. But Ooh, at the same time, though, you as much as that would probably work for the, a completely new viewer that knows nothing about his past, you can't totally ignore the the fan bases Ed's referencing that's been around for the longest time. I mean, we don't transition well when it comes to characters changing. We don't. We tend to not forget who the characters once were. It's very few times have we seen characters successfully transition into another character without fans referencing the old character. I wouldn't even have a problem with how things played out with Kofi if there was just a logical answer to what we do with his character after losing the title. 
We didn't even get that to Chris's point. That's the problem. We didn't get a closure. We just got a reshuffling of him back to the mid card, in my opinion. And for the people that watched before Fox, that's not cool. That's all I'm saying. If you want to appeal to your casual, bring in new viewers, great. But you got to throw us a bone, too. Even if you are going to put him back in the mid card, have him cut a promo where he's like, you know what, I'm going to get that title back one day right now, but I'm going to focus on getting with my brothers and making the new day as best we can, but I'm going to get that title back. We didn't even get that. Yeah, we spent all summer getting behind Kofi and watching him not take a loss. We watched him beat everybody. We watched them look like they were turning him into something for that. So now when we waited six months and waited all summer to watch to see where this story was going, this is where it went. It went nowhere. But now here's the thing. The other part we got to realize is that, you know, business is not always smooth. So we got to look at, you know, what kind of tension is going on between Fox and WWE. You cannot imagine that it is a completely smooth sale. The meetings are all pleasant. No, these are two separate entities, in my opinion, that are coming in with their philosophy. And there's a battle back and forth. Now, Vince, I'm sure, is is fighting for the, the wrestling side of it. But, you know, he's kind of pinned to the wall because what was this deal? Two billion dollars? I mean, it, it's very hard to, to, to fight when you signed a two billion dollar deal and you're trying to you have this meeting with these executives that were the guys writing the checks. So I will give Corey that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I mean, if they wanted to make Brock Lesnar champ and that's what Fox wanted, that's fine. I don't care. Uh, Brock Lesnar, since he signed, since he officially like retired from UFC and signed this new contract, he's been showing up almost weekly, if not bi-weekly. he's been showing up often. As long as he's on TV, I don't really care. Um, And I mean, whatever they're going to do, they're going to do, but, I just don't like when you're burying something that we've invested now six months into. And then, you know, like I said, if he doesn't care and now goes in going into my next point, we had Bailey Bailey, which in my opinion was the highlight of SmackDown. It Bailey was. comes out with a new haircut with a new do. She comes out with some sharp, weird sickle device that I've, I have no idea what that thing's even called, but she came out with a sharp weapon and she murdered the Bailey buddies in front of our eyes I mean, they, I don't know why they didn't cut to the crying children, because I'm sure they were crying children. And she murdered all of them on her way out. And then no high fives to the audience. There was nothing. There was It was Bailey was there for her championship to get it back from Charlotte. And after a decent match in the main event, Bailey did what Charlotte's weakness is. Charlotte just, it's her kryptonite is the surprise roll-up pin. And Charlotte falls to the surprise roll-up pin, which I hate. But and then we fall, come around to the same thing. Bailey's the new champ. Bailey's heel. She's got new music, a new look. She looks great. I'm excited to see what they do with her. And then jumping a little ahead, Charlotte comes out on Monday. She doesn't care that she lost that championship. So it's just like, what are we, what are we doing here? That you know, I mean, we could talk about Bailey, but I mean, it still falls into the same con, con thing or conversation with Kofi is. What do these championships matter? Because they wrestlers don't seem to care. Well, uh, let's celebrate that. So this is positivity right here, coming from Mr. Positive Hal, which I am the most positive man in the world. Anybody will tell you that. But <laughs> Bailey went full Hollywood Bailey, and I was so thrilled. That was a great moment. That's what she should have done weeks ago. 
But, you know, they went this slow burn path. But, yeah, I'm really curious to see Neil Bailey because this is what I wanted. This is the one that I wanted to see. And hopefully that we have our drafts lined up now. Maybe they'll actually, you know, invest some time into each show and they'll be separate. Or maybe not. I sure hope so. You, you know, th- the fact is, it's clear evidence that we're in a transition period. You know, there's clearly things that that are getting changed. I'm still going to stick with the belief that the reason why the changes are happening is because of uh, Fox. And let's see, not count out USA. They're probably putting up uh, an equal fit about this whole thing as ever because, you know, I mean, you know, they, they both contribute a lot of money to WWE. So, you know, fighting to, to get the, the stars that will make the ratings is, it's going to be a battle. Um, I agree with Ed. I, I think the, the Bailey transition, I think it was needed. Um, it just, this, this Bailey, the, 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 the uh, baby face Bailey, I think it ran its course. And it was time to do something different. And uh, I think this is a good step moving forward for her. Uh, Charlotte, I mean, the fact she's not concerned about losing the belt, I really think it's just they have other things planned. Well, of course, they're just just pumping the numbers. She's a 10-time champ. They just want to get, I mean, by this time next year, she's going to be a 16-time champ so they can do that big event. I mean, this year she's had the champ championship three times and she had one for two minutes when Bailey cashed in. She had this one for like nine days and she had the other one or yeah, she had this one for a week. And then she had the one uh, for WrestleMania when she beat Asuka. She had that one for a week. So it's like she's had three reigns this year and they've each lasted a total of like 20 days. So, I mean, obviously, you know, it's not about her title runs aren't going to be about quality. Yeah. And, and you know what, and if it's all about, you know, getting to her dad 16 times, I mean, so be it. I mean, it's at this point, she doesn't need a belt. You know, she's established. She's got a lot of career left though. That's what's so crazy about this run for her. I mean, she's only what five years into her main roster career and she's already breaking these title reigns. I mean, she'll be a, you know, she'll be a 32 time champion. That's what I'm saying, man. Like she's coming after our truth record. Yeah. Twenty four seven. Wrestling. So let's move on to Monday Night Raw, sponsored by Brazzers. <laughs> you know, that's how you know Corey's a little bit right. Because if I would have seen the Lashley Lana Brazzers dirty massage video. In the 1990s, I probably would have thought it was pretty cool because it was the Attitude Era. Now, it just comes off of very hokey, very awkward. We had this conversation, one of our first episodes, about the use of women and sexuality. I think it was when they did the Alexa Bliss with her no top on. And the thing is, is like I said, and I said it then and I'll say it again, when we were that age and we're watching that and kids were watching that, it was, that was our porn. I mean, realistically, you watched that and you were like, oh my God, you know, because th- we didn't have the internet. There was no access. You just, you saw things and they went into your head and that was where it went. And now it, it's, the times are, now it's just cringy and awkward and weird. And just, like I said, it's just, 
it's unnecessary to have Lana laying out on a massage table and having Bobby Lashley giving the creepiest smile to her as he's like rubbing her down as she just keeps giving, making sexual innuendos about how hard and deep she wants it. Like it was, that was, that was a segment that I was, it was weird. And then I watched WWE backstage. They did a special promo of that, like a special preview of that, which I actually, out of all of the wrestling product that I watched this week and I watched everything this week, I enjoyed that the most out of everything because they had Booker T. He was doing promo school with Adam Jones from the uh, Diamondbacks. Um, he was cutting promos and they were teaching him how to cut a promo. They had like panels. They were doing all kinds of cool stuff. And um, but Booker T was going on about that segment. And he was like, I like that stuff, man. I like that. <laughs> so it was funny. But anyway, that's it's it's just it's it's awkward now. And I don't know if it's just maybe too old, but. I, it's just weird. I don't know if it's who it's for. You know, if, those segments in the '90s were for the twelve-year-olds. Are this still for the twelve-year-olds? Do the twelve-year-olds need this now? No, the twelve-year-olds can watch Brazzers. So- yeah. <laughs> you know, it just goes to show that you know certain things that we watched when we were younger doesn't age well. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously we're much older. I mean, maybe if I asked a a younger, maybe my nephew or something, I could ask and see what he thinks. But yeah. (laughs) Did it it give you feelings? You're rocking, you're rocking the stash right now. You got the porn stash going here. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, let's, let's, let's let us know what you think from a professional standpoint, Corey. (laughs) Wait, wait to call out my stash. I mean, the listeners have no idea that I'm doing this. So, well, yeah, I had to do it at somewhere. And I mean, the porn segment seemed like the best place. (laughs) (laughs) I'll post a picture listeners. Jeez. Um, no, but y- you know what? It's you know my biggest issue with that that whole angle was I actually hated his positioning of his face, uh, Lashley, because you couldn't see his eyes. He looked too far down where all you can see is kind of his smile, but you couldn't see his eyes. And from a, you know, an acting presentation type of thing, you you, you got to see the face. So he looked creepy. That was my big issue. And sorry, guys, I'm trying to transition now because I see you, I see you on the run. You're on the move. Um, Jake, you got to stay down there. All right, guys. Unedited. What? Yeah, this is this is you know one two three yes wrestling raw. So on Monday Night Raw, we had the Viking Raiders. They beat Rude and Ziggler and claimed the Raw Championship, Tag Team Champs. So the Viking Raiders are champions right now. And I think I got a text from Ed that said, way to bury your division, guys. So, Ed, how do you feel about this? Well, no, that was – I don't think that was for me. I actually was very happy the Viking Raiders won because, you know what? I'm a Viking, and I'm biased. But they're actually a tag team, too, so they should have won. And it looks like they're getting more over. So hopefully they have the belts for a while because they put on good matches. Chris, it was I uh, who had the the comment because quite honestly, you know, if you gave Ziggler and Rude these belts, okay, let them run with it. Let's see if something can happen with it. By God, I wanted my T-shirt, okay? Team Rudolph. Is that too hard to ask? Jeez. So, no, the, the problem is with the tag team division is that I, there's no importance to those belts. I don't find value in them. 
Now, on the flip side, you know, when you look at AEW, and I know we'll talk about this in a little bit, Mm -hmm. they've put an emphasis on the tag team division. I feel that those matches have more value. Now, granted, they're in a tag team tournament, but still, I can tell they're going to put a a value to those belts, and they're going to make sure that those Mm -hmm. will continue to have value, just like in WWE, the WWE title and Universal title have value. Mm -hmm. But you can't say... By the Viking Raiders winning, did, did you honestly, it, it was that really that exciting and like, no. wow, the, the Viking Raiders have now got their, quote, push? No, I mean, I'm, I'm in all seriousness, I, I love the gimmicks, but, you know, Corey's right. You know, you put these two guys together. They're great singles wrestlers, right? And, and I think either any of us and a lot of our listeners would be thrilled if Bobby Roode or Dolph Ziggler got a serious singles push, a real serious singles push but you don't have anything for these guys so you put them in a tag team right cool cool make something out of it make something no we get four weeks of this four or five weeks a pay-per-view win and now it's over they they lose so why what's the point just have them break up and have them go back to being singles wrestlers because this was a waste of time yeah waste well, of time. as as we'll talk about and i have plenty to talk about when we get there they lost so they can be drafted to SmackDown. So, I mean, yes. ultimately, that's what the whole point was. Well, you need to get these belts off of them because we want them to go to SmackDown. Now, um, my rant is coming for the draft. We're just got to get through Raw because we got a few, <laughs> few points right. we got to get to, and okay. then I can okay. open up the draft. But, I mean, realistically, to end this one, that's exactly why. And I and that ultimately, that right there, that sentence is what was wrong with the draft. But we'll get there here in a second mm-hmm. because I want to talk about Tyson Fury, which I know I thought it was Ed, but I could be wrong, that said, I'm starting to like Tyson Fury. But me. one of the news that came out this week was that Tyson Fury is reportedly getting around $15 million for his match at Crown Jewel against Braun Strowman. That's ridiculous. That's, That's ridiculous nuts. money. Yes, that is ridiculous and, and, money. And, 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 can, and can we say ridiculous as in that is just stupid? Yeah. It's, it's, no, it's... $15 million? It's ludicrous. It's, and yes. what does that make your fan... I mean, I like him. He's got personality. I think he just fits well in wrestling, in my opinion. But what does that do to your talent, seeing that? But that's, but that's the thing. It's like, here's my problem is that, okay, so Tyson Fury, he, first off, you know, he, he's a boxer. I'm a, I might get some hate for this, but how popular is, what is he? He's a heavyweight. So how popular is heavyweight boxing today? I'm just keeping it real, people. This Sorry. isn't the Mike Tyson, Holy, mm-hmm. Holyfield, Muhammad Ali eras. No, it's... It's 2019, and quite honestly, boxing is just not what it was. And Tyson Fury, taking nothing away from his success, success as a boxer, I understand that he's he's good, but we've seen it a lot. How good can boxers or these outside people come into a wrestling ring and actually have a decent wrestling match? We tried it with Lawrence Taylor. We've even tried it with Floyd Mayweather. I like the Floyd Mayweather. The Floyd Mayweather one I thought was quite successful. He had, well, you know what they did is, first off, Floyd Mayweather's personality was huge. I, I think he knew how to play the character, but he's a character in himself anyway. And then they did that match correctly because they realized that you, you just you can't do a wrestling match. So they had to go with what they had and they did it successfully. It's just what is this Tyson Fury Braun Strowman match going to be? 
Is it going to be a, a brawl for all? I mean, because that's what I picture, just a, a crazy, ridiculous, butter bean, swinging for the fences, brawl, and the match ends somehow. I remember that. I remember the brawl for all. I also remember the Lawrence Taylor WrestleMania. I was a kid, and I thought it was cool, but watching it back, it's not. So what did you like about Tyson Fury? Let's let's get a, your two minutes on Tyson Fury, and then we'll move on. <laughs> so here's the thing. I think he's naturally good on the mic. I think he's got a good look. Um, it, again, I, this says nothing about what this match is going to be. I'm just saying of the two you know, celebrity cameos, let's call these right now, of Cain Velasquez and Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury comes off to me like he could actually fit into the professional wrestling world. Character-wise, look, size, you know, he just had, he has it, but he's a boxer. So I'm not giving him a whole bunch of love here. I'm just saying when he's been on TV, I've been, I thought it's been fine. So that's all, that's really all I have to say about it. Am I enjoying that these two guys that have nothing to do with wrestling are getting all this publicity and money? No, but if you're going to put them in front of me, I guess I got to take, you know, what I'm getting. Yep. They're doing it at crown jewel, so I won't see it. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't, it's not real. I'm to not me. watching crown jewel either. So for other, but I've got other reasons real to me. Corey, you got anything on Tyson Fury? Um, just, no, I mean, like I said, personality, yeah, that's cool. But once again, this is Braun Strowman. Yeah. Uh, Braun Strowman's going to have to carry this match, and no offense, but is he going to be able to? I don't think so. I think it's going to yeah. be kind of a train wreck. Well, and the thing is, is there's a good, there was a good reason Floyd Mayweather and Big Show worked because Big Show was big. He could make Floyd Mayweather look good. He could protect him. He could throw him around. There was lots of that he could do with him. You put Braun Strowman and Tyson Fury, who are both the same size. They're seven feet tall. They're these giant monsters of men for, you know, no pun intended, I guess. But what are they going to do? What's Braun Strowman going to be able to do to him? He's not going to be able to throw him around. He's not going to be able to pick him up. So then you're just looking at a brawl where they're just going to throw hands for 10 minutes, 20, I, it's, there's, I don't, I just don't have an appeal for it. I, Tyson Fury, he, his thing was fine. Him trying to break the pen and joking around. He, you know, he looks like he's having fun and that's good. Yeah. So then we started Monday Night Raw with Seth Rollins coming back and he was like, grr, I'm here and I'm not done with the fiend. I don't care about the draft. I don't care about nothing. I'm getting the fiend. So then Seth Rollins was sitting there going, and I'm going to find him. And I'm going to burn it down. That's what's going to happen. So then we waited all night and waited all night. And then Bray Ro then a new Firefly Funhouse happened. And we were like, oh, cool, Firefly Funhouse. This is like our, the best thing on Raw in the past like couple months. We're so happy. And then all of a sudden Ramblin' Rabbit was like, yo, Bray, Seth Rollins is coming. Something, Something's going to happen. What are we going to do? And Bray Wyatt was like, don't worry about it, Ramblin'. Don't worry about it. Then all of a sudden Seth Rollins was somehow in the Firefly Funhouse. He was just there on the weird TV. And like the puppets so i mean was he talking to the puppets could seth rollins see the puppets like what happened so then seth rollins was just like uh, and he's attacking brain he's beating up bray and he's beating up brain and bray stands up he's got tears in his eyes and he's like seth why are you doing this man why are you doing this and then seth rollins is just like uh, uh, and he keeps punching him and then they did this weird angle on seth rollins face and he's like uh, uh, and he goes burn it down and then seth rollins put his back to the camera and you heard him hit a zippo and it was like zip and then all of a sudden the table was on fire and he flipped it. And then they burned down the Firefly Funhouse, which made everybody just scream in agony 
because why why like why why would they have him find the like why would they do why okay (laughs) i know where i know how to move this forward just stick with me on this the firefly funhouse and this whole thing with the fiend is it's all it's this mysterious entity that has entered bray wyatt and now and now Seth Rollins has entered the Firefly Funhouse and is burned down. And as a result of burning this down, this entity has released from Bray Wyatt and now will enter Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins, the next time he comes out, he will come out with the mask on because now he will possess the entity that once possessed. Bray Wyatt. What the hell have you been smoking? <laughs> that's and give us some. Do. Share with us. I know. I that's mean, Corey, none of that stuff's do. legal until January. <laughs> so I texted. I texted Corey and Chris after this segment because I had many feelings. I had many feelings watching this. The biggest one was anger for two reasons. Number one, because again, to Chris's point, why? Why, why did you attack Bray Wyatt, Mr. Rogers, who came off just like a man with a severe psychological problem in his tears and his eyes of why he was being attacked? And then we did we have a feeling the Firefly Funhouse would eventually get ransacked? Yes. But I didn't want it to happen this soon. I really didn't. And Namely, too, it's because, again, I don't think WWE wants us to be cheering Bray Wyatt. They want us to be cheering Seth Rollins after he attacked a mentally handicapped man. How does this not turn Bray Wyatt into a face? It did, and it does, and I will cheer this man forever now. Seth Rollins is a dirty heel, and he burned down Pee-wee's Playhouse. But and that's what happened thing. in my head. I watched Pee Wee's Playhouse get burned down, and I felt feelings I haven't felt since I was like four. No, it was. It no. made me sad. It made me sad. No, here's what it is. This it this this made the fiend even more dangerous, because I've said it before. This is this is Bray Wyatt with multiple personalities, and and you know he's bouncing back and forth between them. And by burning down that Firefly Funhouse, you've officially killed the, the, the healing side, the, the caring side, the one that forgives. You've officially killed that now. So now Bray Wyatt is nothing but this guy that wants to do hurt. So he is now more dangerous, more destructive. Remember what I said in the matches? At certain points, he would put his hands on his head like he was having these thoughts in his head and he was conflicted. Now it's gone. That would be fine. But Chris is going to tell you that he's got a job in Saudi Arabia, and that doesn't mean anything. Well, I have a couple things with this. One, I think we said it last week, or we said it on our Fiend special that we recorded. I think there's one thing which we did say was that it's hard to make him a heel when everybody likes the Mr. Rogers character. So if you kill the Mr. Rogers character, it in theory, would be easier to make him a heel if he is just the fiend. 
So if you lose that alter ego, so I could see that that could be an idea, or I could also see next Monday or on Friday, Firefly Funhouse is just back and it's a little singed on the edges and, you know, it never happened. Two, did you guys see the video of what happened after Raw went off the air? No. No. So there was a, Seth Rollins came down to the ring after he burned down the Firefly Funhouse, which gets me into a, a quick rant I'm going to get into here when we're done with this, but... Seth Rollins comes back down to the ring, says, you know, I'm not done. That's not enough. I'm here. That's Bray Wyatt. I'm here for the Fiend. I took care of Bray. I'm here for the Fiend. And so where are you, Fiend? Come get some, and I'm going to keep burning it down. And the crowd was just booing him. And then Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, comes out. And then they actually have a match for the WWE, or the Universal Championship so they had a dark match and they were fighting and fighting. And then they were, it was mostly Seth Rollins just kind of doing stomps and then Bray Wyatt jumping up and everyone cheering. And then the referee got too close and Bray Wyatt put the mandible claw on the referee. So that got the DQ. And then they did almost the exact same thing they did at Hell in a Cell where it was stomp. He did, it was like 12 stomps. He grabbed a chair. He just did all of this stuff to try to stop Bray Wyatt. And eventually Bray Wyatt no sold and mandible clawed Seth Rollins until he couldn't get up and then walked away. And the crowd pretty much booed the whole time. So it's just like, I don't know what you're trying to do there. That's just a weird, it's a weird thing. I understand it's a dark match that no one's supposed to see except for the people there, but it still shows you how this is going to go. And as, as we said, they did announce that Bray Wyatt is going to face the universal champion, Seth Rollins at crown jewel. So Seth Rollins is no longer the leader team leader of team Hogan. He's no longer the captain of team Hogan. He's only going to have this false count anywhere match. So, you know, already they can have a screwy finish because it's a false count anywhere match. So they're going to do whatever they're going to do. And which we'll get into here. We're so close. Bray Wyatt, spoilers, was drafted to SmackDown. So Bray Wyatt isn't even on Raw, but he's still in two weeks going to fight Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship, which already shows that it's not going to go anywhere or the way that they want it to go. And then on top of that, they announced the Monday after Crown Jewel that Bray Wyatt is going to face Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. So what what's happening here? I mean, like... I, I still have, don't let me forget that I have a thing Rant. to say, but okay. I, I, it's really small and I think it's worth saying, but I mean, like, come on, like this was the news this week. They wanted us to talk about the draft, but this is what everybody had a problem with. And I wanted to hear Corey's love. Um, but wait now, <laughs> isn't it, but wait, whoa, this is real sports here. So, who says that the rosters are going to stay the same moving forward? I mean, we're already getting these uh, behind-the-scenes uh, negotiations and trades and um, all this. Come on. This is real sports, guys. Get it together. Okay? Real sports. People get well, traded then, all the time. Then they need to trade him to, to Raw. Or why draft him if two so, days later you're going to announce the draft wasn't even done? We so, didn't even finish the draft, and he was already this? getting how about this? They he wins the universal title, and then all of a sudden, at at the backstage show, WWE backstage or whatever, then suddenly Triple H he's got to do some crazy negotiating because they can't have the universal champion on that show. So then all of a sudden, for the trade, Raw's you know uh, SmackDown's going to get I don't know two major players or something. It's like I, I think 
I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to create more uh, investment in the trading and make a bigger deal of it. That's why they do that backstage show. That's why they, they, they're doing this behind the scenes trading and like, cause then uh, a tag team go to SmackDown or something like that. Girls yeah. Tag. We'll talk about it here in yeah, two so, seconds. Cause I have a problem. Sorry, with that I, I know. I got nothing to say about this. I, I just am miserable about what happened to Bray Wyatt and it, it makes me so sad. I'm so. just telling you, we'll move forward, but I'm just telling you, I, I think you guys are, are thinking it's the end of Bray Wyatt. And I think what you're misunderstanding is it's the next chapter. I, I, I think truly Bray Wyatt thought of this in so much explicit detail. I don't think in any way he would have accepted or he would have fought if he felt that the burning of the Firefly Fun House was going to hurt his character overall. I think this is going to move him, move the Fiend character into the next level. I certainly hope so, because yeah. Chris, go well, ahead. Well, my ahead. thing is that for at least to counter your point or to add to your point, my problem was I never liked Bray Wyatt because Bray Wyatt to me just never won a feud. He always had screwy finishes. He was all talk and he had no substance. And when they started the Firefly Funhouse, I was like, all right, I'm starting to see some substance here. Let's see what happens when he gets into the ring. And now we've seen what happens when he gets into the ring. And all of that substance to me is gone. Like, I, could, I do not care what happens to Bray Wyatt at this point because, meh. I, I mean, that's just how I feel because I needed to be convinced that Bray Wyatt was worth investing in. And I don't see it with this feud with Seth Rollins. I saw it with Finn Balor at SummerSlam. I was like, okay, he destroyed Finn Balor. We did this. He looked cool, cool entrance. Okay, I'm 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 in a little bit more. And then all of a sudden he's got this universal title match with Seth Rollins, and they did that finish, and he no sold everything, and then he still can't win. And it's still it just it just feels like same old Bray Wyatt LOL to me. Um, that's just mine. I would love for them to prove me wrong because I do like the gimmick. My last thing that I was gonna say about this that just blew my mind was that the Firefly Funhouse this whole time was just backstage. Like he was just back there. Now who's then where where are the puppets? Who who's controlling the puppets? Who is like now to me that just blows my mind that like Seth Rollins just walked in, so this whole time no one could find him. They didn't hear him talking. And then, like I said, who's helping Bray Wyatt? Is Luke Harper under the table doing the puppets? But they're all Bray's voice. So how how does this work now? How does the Firefly Funhouse even work? They made it now real by burning it down. And when that show started and Seth Rollins said, I'm going to find Bray Wyatt and I'm going to burn it down, my initial thought was, oh, yeah, you burned down the Firefly Funhouse. But I was like, they wouldn't do that because Randy Orton just did that to Bray Wyatt last year. So there's no way that's going to happen. So when Br Seth Rollins actually did it, I laughed because I was like, oh, my God, they actually did what uh, two hours ago I said they would never do because they just did it. So... I will admit, if, if you guys are wanting me to have a criticism of anything about this Bray Wyatt thing, this will be the moment. Um, I agree that it should have been... I, I always looked at the Firefly Fun House as Bray Wyatt's in his head. This is him and his his talking in his head, and this is what we're seeing is, is a look into his head. But they made it real now. Yeah, so unfortunately they made it real and there's no real logic to understanding like even if you say oh no it wasn't backstage okay then where was it? You know, it's like it, there's no good defense to 
battle that. So, yeah, so I'm a little disappointed in the fact that they, they made it real. I think it would have been a lot cooler if they would have kept it more, uh, it's imaginary or more psychological. Yeah, so it was kind of a bummer. Wrestling. But let's move on to the draft. We can still, I'm sure Bray Wyatt can come up here. I want to say my favorite part of the draft. I'm giving love. This was my favorite part of the draft. It cracked me up. It was amazing. Was when it started. First thing, Stephanie McMahon's music hits. She comes strutting out to that podium, and Stephanie McMahon is standing there, and the crowd did nothing. There was zero reaction for Stephanie McMahon, and she stood at that podium, and then she said, what, guys, no booing? And then they finally gave her a reaction. She had to ask to be booed because nobody cares about Stephanie McMahon. And that cracked me up that Stephanie got zero reaction from that crowd. That was just hilarious to me and that was my favorite part of the draft (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute you didn't like any of the war room segments or i liked i liked they had the usa and the fox war rooms going what i liked was that the fox robot was there the football robot was dancing around in the war room outside of that watching them cringe and cheer that we drafted natalia yes i was oh my god and then like being mad that they didn't draft daniel bryan we didn't draft daniel bryan oh that sucks well why didn't you draft him you just had to draft nikki cross instead like come on these the draft picks were use the draft picks in my opinion were mostly useless they wasted picks on drafting the champions so they're like oh the revival the smackdown tag champs they're going to smackdown that's a huge deal well why the hell weren't they just on smackdown like are you really telling me that you were they wasted all of these draft picks to draft the champions of these shows when every other draft they those people were already on those rosters outside of like the ic and the u.s title but, I mean, if you're the SmackDown women's champ, why are you wasting a draft pick? Like, that just never made sense to me on how they did that. But then it's like Jinder Mahal got drafted. The Lucha House Party got drafted. I mean, Cesaro didn't even get drafted. They had to draft him off TV. But Lucha House Party, let's get that on TV and have them Lucha Lucha. Like, I mean, come on. This, this, there, there was no point to this draft. And half of the people that they drafted were already on those shows. There's only about maybe a dozen people out of the 50 people that were drafted that actually moved brands. My favorite part of the draft was that Stephanie was able to tell us where people were despite all the wild card shenanigans. She said, from SmackDown, wrestler. From Raw, wrestler. And I was like, wow, I didn't even realize they were on Raw. Yeah, but... But she didn't do that too often. Most of the time, it was just most of the time, especially when she started getting deeper, it was SmackDown's going to get a whole lot rougher with the drifter, Elias. And I hated the fact that everybody had a catchphrase or everyone had a nickname or everyone was, you know, SmackDown's going to get more eco-friendly. Daniel Bryan, you know, and every single draft pick had a had a catchphrase or a slogan. It was. It was a lot. Corey, you got to say something, man. You're killing me. <laughs> yeah, because no, because you know what? I, we said when we started this podcast, we can show love. So I'm showing some love here. So first, I like uh, WWE and their attempt, because when we're looking at this idea of this draft, they've done drafts before. 
Um, this one definitely felt different, and it felt different because they were trying to mimic a real sports draft, which once again, going back to the beginning of this, this uh, podcast episode here, I said the whole purpose is they're trying to make professional wrestling seem like a legitimate sport. So in terms having of having a robot in a room, <laughs> the, the NFL analysts have the robot. That's where it's from. Oh, who was the, who is the guy with the face paint? realism thing it's it's gone off the rails who is the guy with the face paint right you have a bunch of millennials that don't even watch wrestling sitting in a fake war room that no one no one cares you know what they had all they had to do was put more people in power again so now it's the networks they have to have an authority figure they can't get over it so you're gonna dump on on every sports draft there is because you probably don't even watch the sports draft that's your problem you don't know anything about it so they have war rooms. They have the freaking the you know the the presentation like you see, and then they do the announcement, and then it goes right to the person. I'm telling you, it's this had a real sports feel. And once again, if if they're trying to make professional wrestling seem like a legit sport, they succeeded here. Now Chris's criticism about why are people getting drafted that were still already on the show. Well, the the impression I'm getting is that everyone was it was clean slate. So you were restarting. It was like hitting the reset button. Okay, so a lot of people went back to the same show that they were on. Well, it's a 50-50 shot. So I mean, the the odds of you being on the same show you're already on are pretty good. So and I think that's where you're getting the, the misinterpretation or at least your reaction, I, I don't think you understand what the original concept of this draft was. I guess not. And and we drafted Natalia. Yes. Right, exactly. <laughs> Why are you so excited then, about Natalia? Here, here's the thing. But then here's the thing. It's like, okay, you guys are the longtime fan. This is an opportunity if if we draft some of these names that okay, maybe they haven't gotten as over. You know, I know we, we bash on the Lucha House party, but the fact of the matter is, you know, on the draft, watching on Fox, Lucha House Party's name and their presentation is being shown to not only the, the regular fans, but the, then these newer uh, viewers. And this is an opportunity to get their name out there. Lucha House Party has a big international aspect to it. And, and that's always been a huge thing in wrestling. So they're, yeah, they're didn't they come out and get squashed by Braun Strowman like 10 minutes later? Didn't they just? I someone just squashed the Lucia House Party three on one. It, well, and here's, <laughs> and here's the thing. I mean, as as much as okay, would it have been believable if the three guys did like defeat Braun Strowman? No. I mean, you you have to understand. It's like big guys are going to squash little guys. That's just how it goes. Every once in a while, you get the David versus Goliath angle, and and the little guy will win. But for the most part, the big guy's going to win. They're going to keep this realistic. I don't think they're going to go to fantasy with some of these bookings of these matches. It's like Brock Lesnar squashing Kofi Kingston. Hate to hurt your feelings, Chris, but that's believable. Oh, no, it's 100% believable. I just, you know. You know. That's the thing. It's like these matches now, they're focusing on what is believable because that's how you're going to make this feel like a legit sport, period. And I know I'm jumping around. We're talking about drafts. Sorry. No, that's that's fine. Like I said, I need I need love. And like I said, I don't I don't want to gang up on you. 
because you know i want to i want to find the love i want to find the love and like i said i i enjoyed aspects of it but yeah there were just some stuff i don't know i I got no love for wwe this week but i got love for aew and that's what this podcast is about pro wrestling not just wwe Mm -hmm. pro wrestling and that's what my love is on WWE backstage, on that special presentation they did, Triple H did get interviewed by Renee Young, um, which Renee Young, they were having live Twitter people like talking about stuff. So Renee Young, someone wrote in there about how bad she calls the Stone Cold Stunner. You know, they were like, oh, you call the Stone Cold Stunner really bad because when there was like Raw Reunion and he did the Stunner, apparently she didn't do a good job, according to this one Twitter user. So then she went on this big rant. She got in the camera and she's like, no, I never. She was like, I never even called the Stone Cold Steve Austin match. So I don't know what you're talking about. And you know what? I got let go of that job anyway. And now I got this job and I'm getting that Fox money. So you can suck it. (laughs) She did say that. And it cracked me up. And I was like, man, I kind of enjoy this show. They were, like I said, they were, they were having fun with that show. And that cracked me up. And then I found it funny that she talked about how she lost her job of being in a commentator. So I thought that was funny. But Triple H was on there and he was talking about the Bruce Pritchard taking the executive producer role. And then he also said, due to that, one of Bruce Pritchard's first big roles was that he did a trade to move Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. They were traded to SmackDown. So earlier in the day, they were they were a tag team who were drafted separately to Raw, and now they have been drafted as a tag team back to SmackDown. For nobody, we don't know who they were traded for, but they were traded. You'll have to watch the next episode. <sighs> I'm excited uh-huh. to see. Cliffhangers, people. Cliffhangers. So that's a good movie. I was just I was I was at the gym watching Vertical Limit with Chris Ooh, O'Donnell. Yeah, yeah. I forgot that was a thing. My gym has this giant like cardio cinema, so they play movies in there, and then they have all the cardio equipment. So you sit in the dark and do cardio. So I sat in there for like thirty minutes watching Vertical Limit, and then I was just made me want to watch Cliffhanger. <laughs> I never seen Vertical Limit, so now I need to rent it and see how it ends. All right, all right, kids with the ADD, get back on track. All right. Speaking of ADD, let's talk about AEW. Woo! Was that a transition? I felt like I had ADD watching AEW this week, and I can get into it if you guys need, but I want to hear some love. So you guys take it from here. Show some love to AEW. What was your favorite part of Dynamite Week 3? Well, you know what? Before we get into that, let me, I did pull up the viewership for AEW Dynamite. Have you guys looked at the numbers yet? Yep, I have. I have not. So AEW averaged just over 1 million viewers. So they were down from the 1.15 million down to pretty much one, pretty much flat. They look like they had just uh, about 14,000 over a million. So they were down. Uh, they did a 0.44 in the 18 to 49 demo, which is also down, but close to last week's of 0.46. And it ranked fifth on the cable for the night. So they're still down, but they're still over a million. So they weren't down too much more. Um, NXT did lose some more viewers. They're down from 790,000 to 712,000. So they haven't reached there. Neither one have reached their level of where they're, they're plateau. 
But that's where we're at. So there's still over a million for their viewers. And of course, they're still struggling with all the baseball that's out there. Until we get through baseball, it's hard to tell what they're going to sit at. I did have my buddy John send me a message saying he was checking out Dynamite last night due to the fact that TNT has been advertising it and advertising it. And he goes, I've been seeing it nonstop, so I wanted to check it out. So he checked it out. I was I was texting with him this morning to kind of get his thoughts. He said it looked like it had a nice presentation, a nice feel. He liked the ring being a little bouncy. He didn't get to watch the whole thing. But then he did flip over to NXT because I said, oh, during commercial, flip over to NXT and see what you think. And he said, NXT looks uh, like they're in a bingo hall. And he was like, compared to Dynamite, the presentation is severely different. So I think NXT, as reported, they need to get on the road if they want to try to make their show look like a big deal. But that's another conversation for another time. AEW, fill me in, gentlemen. I did watch it, and I'll have some thoughts and opinions, but I want to hear what you guys thought. Oh, Go well, ahead, Corey. I, it, it was it was a good show. I mean, you know, it's you know, it's it's their this is their second show now. Um, third, third show. Excuse me. So. I mean, the one thing that they do very well is like you know the matches that they're putting together. There's there's intrigue with it. Um, they're they're good quality matches. Um, I think Jericho is a great representation of of being AEW champion. I re- I did enjoy his match with um, Darby Allen, um, especially with it being you know kind of contrast of styles, but they were able to make it work. Um, and let's see, Moxley, I, I, he was in a tag match, if I'm right. Is that correct? Yeah, it was him and uh, Pac versus Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Yeah, and then, and then it ultimately led to a, a, an issue between uh, Am- Ambrose and Pac that, that'll culminate next week. So I, I like that they're, they're trying to get stars established which is really good that that's a key element to this. And, and they're trying to also, you know, besides established stars, um, evolve stories. I think the big highlight I really enjoyed was, uh, Cody's segment to build, uh, the match with Jericho. Yeah, that was a nice documentary, uh, promo that they cut with him, um, doing the little movie of, yeah, the, having that documentary feel was really unique. Ditto. I mean, honestly, presentation was good. I felt commentary was better this week. I think Tony Schiavone and JR were hitting their stride a little bit better this week. Felt a little bit more energetic from the commentary. I enjoyed uh, the Kenny Omega, um, Moxley, Pac, and Hangman Page tag match. I really enjoyed um, the impromptu uh, SCU tag match in the beginning. Uh, I, I mean, the tag matches have been solid. And of course, you know, the, the, you know, icing on the cake was Riho, our 90 pound warrior, you know, getting that W against Britt Baker. And, uh, you know, we all, you know, we believe in Rio in, in how you say her name? Rio. I can't Rio. take it. One, two, three, yes, wrestling. We are, are all both. big believers. You guys, you guys are all it, looking at me like you just want to murder me right now, but. <laughs> No, but you know what? I'm going to stop you right there. You know, I was trying to be positive on this whole thing with AEW, and then you guys are trying to throw fire at me, and I got to I gotta fight back here, okay? You know what? The Rio thing is absolutely ridiculous. This 90-pound little girl should not be AEW champion, and I know I am in the minority. I am not stupid. I might Maybe my problem is I don't have an appreciation for the uh, wrestling outside the U.S., 
hey, so be it. That's my taste. But the fact is, I cannot find this woman to be believable when Britt Baker looked like a giant compared to Rio. And I mean, come on. Why? And and, and I get maybe this is more to, to grab a, a global audience. OK, cool. I understand from a business standpoint. It's just I'm sorry. I just I, I didn't I didn't believe her victory when she won the title. I don't believe this victory with Brett Baker because there should be absolutely no reason why she's getting any kind of offense. And actually, my wife watched that match. And when she saw the moment where, you know, how she kind of slides out of the uh, pin and bridges up, my wife even had a criticism of that, you know, saying that it's like she, she didn't understand how she should have been capable of doing that because she's small. Anyone else is heavier than her. She's been so since she was 12 years old, she has the experience. Oh, no, okay, my turn. Ready? Oh, oh, do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no. we're waiting. I know. Okay, I enjoyed the SCU, the opening tag match. I thought that was hot. They had that was nice energy. I enjoyed the impromptu swapping players. The dude losing his shoe throwing his shoe into the crowd and the crowd throwing it back to give him back his shoe. Like I enjoyed the opening tag team, the women's match. I did not like at all. And that was my, honestly, my real first watching Britt Baker in a one-on-one -on -one match. And she looked terrible. And I don't know how much is real. Cause I watched Ryu fight Nyla Rose and they just made Ryu look like a beast. So now is Nyla Rose really the one that's that good that just made Rio look that good? Or is it like, I, now I don't know who's good because that match was atrocious and I don't care what they pulled out in the end. If they made people, I know I've heard some other people like the match was rough opening, but the last three minutes they brought it back together and made it worth it. No, no, they didn't bring anything together. And Britt Baker's finishing move is, uh, she was trying to open her mouth. What was that? They were like, she's doing the lock jaw. Oh, she won't open her mouth. And they're doing a close up of Rio, just holding her mouth shut. What was that? That was ridiculous. And she then, and then she's just a, a screwy roll-up pin. I don't care if she's a dentist. Damn it. <laughs> it's, it's, that I don't was care stupid. if she's a dentist. I don't care if she's a dentist. I understand the pun. And you know what? The whole move could just be the lockjaw because you're pulling back the head. But the fact that she was wasting her energy trying to pry open her teeth like she's a toddler who just put something in her mouth that she wasn't supposed to eat. <laughs> like, just doesn't... Just didn't it didn't do anything for me. And watching these two lanky girls just like try to not kill each other, just it was it was gross to watch. I will, and I, I, will, I will be fair and I will give some criticism. Um, the main event, um, I think Jericho tried very hard to get this guy over, and I, I definitely didn't see Darby Allen in the main event after it was all said and done as much as they were telling me he was. No, so. Darby Allen was a waste of time. That whole thing was a waste of time. They had a street fight that had rope breaks. If you're going to bitch about WWE and the Hell in a Cell having a thing, then you need to bitch about the fact that they broke three submissions by touching the ropes. That's, yes. that's, you don't do that in a street fight. You don't do that. They did that. Now, yeah, sure. Was it impressive that he had his arms tied behind his back and was doing all that? Yes. But you know what? It was also stupid. Yeah. Because he shouldn't have been doing shit like that because he's going to kill himself. And then, two, Jericho, I mean, then what does that make Jericho look like? Like, I understand the idea is to make Darby Allen, who's wearing jorts and tights. Like, I couldn't get past that alone, <laughs> that he was wearing jorts and tights. He looked ridiculous. He was scrawny. He didn't belong in the ring with Chris Jericho, not even, no matter what story you try 
to tell me. And I loved the match with Cody and Darby Allen. I thought that match was was great. But you putting him in the ring with Chris Jericho, he looked like a toddler that was just getting his getting whooped. And then you tied his arm. No, none of that worked for me. None okay. of that worked for you, me. You hypocritical ADD freaks here. Listen. First off, you're, you're criticizing Darby Allen because you don't find something believable, yet the 90-pound girl you apparently believe to all ends and is like the greatest thing ever. Well, to be now, fair, granted, I'm only behind Rio because you hate her so much. Like, I actually am not that behind her. I just get I'm going to refer her because And now I I'm confused. Now I'm confused about Rio because I was I was all behind her because Nyla Rose made her look ridiculous and now Britt Baker. So now I don't know who's good or who's bad because does Brett Baker suck? Does Ryu suck? Is Nyla Rose the only one that can wrestle? Like I don't I don't know who's good anymore because Nyla Rose and Ryu, Ryu looked amazing. Not Rio and Britt Baker, they both look terrible. So I just I don't know who's good anymore. I, I just I don't even know. Well, and then on and then this, on this other side, this whole um the Jericho and Darby Allen. Okay, I'm I'm gonna call you a hypocrite. I'm gonna call you both hypocrites because it's like you you, you criticize his his quote appearance but yet i mean come on you guys were all fans of mick foley and what the heck did mick foley wore sweatpants and a button-up white shirt with a tie that wasn't properly put on and you guys thought he was the coolest thing ever so what what's the i mean what's there's nothing wrong with darby allen in his appearance he's got he's got this it's a certain image and in, in gimmick it's it, it appeals to a certain audience but uh, what's wrong in, in his wrestling presentation? I mean, he he knows how to wrestle. Yes, he does some dangerous moves, but I did not think that there was any issue with the match. I mean, yes, he's he's a hardcore, but I mean, do you hate Joey Janela then? You know, it's like, what are, you? Yeah. <laughs> are you against these hardcore styles or are you just or do you, are you just confused about what the character is? Well, I think it comes down to the sports appeal of it. Like you said earlier with Kofi Kingston, doesn't look like he can go against Brock Lesnar. I don't think Darby Allen can go. He didn't look he he was too little. He doesn't look like an athlete. He doesn't look like a wrestler. Okay. He doesn't look like a sports entertainer when you put him in the ring next to Chris Jericho. All right. So I'm going to checkmate you on that. Uh, if this was WWE, you would have checkmated me. But technically, this is AEW. AEW never has referenced that they want to make professional wrestling look like a actual sport. Right. So that that that's the end of the debate there. But, I, but I mean, that's just that's just how I but I mean, when you're watching it and if you're looking at a casual fan who's just flipping through wrestling, if you see that guy in the ring with Chris Jericho. What are you going to think? And then he's got his arms tied behind his back doing flippy doos. It's just like, I don't know. He almost but won that, the title with his arms tied behind his back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah how great is that championship? Don't even get me started then if you want to talk about Orange Cassidy, but that's a different story. We'll save that. Um, Dude, he's so over and it's annoying. Like, he yeah, gets such a huge hands, problem. He, puts, he keeps TV. his hands in his pants when he in his pockets when he wrestles, but that's a different story. I know, and I don't get – that's the thing is, like, there is a fine line with where I, I do enjoy AEW, but I, there are certain parts that they're – like the Orange Cassidy's and the Janellas and even Darby Allen. Like, I want to get it, and it does – you know, resonate with a certain viewer. I just don't, I just don't get it. But it, but, but remember guys, I mean, it's like we in WWE got, we, we got to see the Santinos and the horn swoggles. I think the problem is, is that are we conditioning our brain? Are we trying to condition our brain that everybody's got to be 
a legit wrestler? Why can't someone just be a, a gimmick or or be a, a comedy aspect? I mean, Mick Foley went from being the, a super hardcore wrestler and then suddenly became a comedy act in his wrestling because he had to ease up on his hardcore style. I mean, is is that a penalty? I no. personally think so. Right. No, I, I don't Not care what your role is in wrestling as long as you're entertaining. If yeah. I'm entertained by what but, you're doing, then score. If I'm not entertained, I fast forward three. I really just wish Darby Allen would have attacked Jericho on the skateboard again. That's I would have been 100% behind Darby Allen if he just jumped at him so I could hear Jericho make that funny noise like, ah! <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I mean, he. I thought they had a good match. And like I said, I mean, if we're looking at the, just the appearance, I mean, people could criticize Jericho. I mean, and I'm and I'm not tr- I'm not trying to criticize him at all. I think what he's doing right now at his age is phenomenal. But let's be real. He, he, he's he's not as thin as he once was. You know, he's not as fast as he once was. He's, he, you know, and please don't take it the wrong way. I mean, at, he, he still can. He performs, but he performs within his abilities. But as a fan, nobody's saying, oh, that old guy, he needs to get out. No, it's like I think. We're taking in exactly what we're supposed to take in from Jericho, and we're ignoring the flaws. And I think that that's our problem as a a viewer today is I feel like we spend so much attention trying to identify the flaw. You know, why? I mean, do, do we need to pick out the flaw of Darby Allen? No, let's look at the presentation. Let's look at the fact that this guy, you know, even though he's small, he does put on these good quality matches. I mean, he's not. You know, he's not sluggish. He's not sloppy, in my opinion. Yes. Are there some high spots that I don't recommend him doing long term? Of course. You know, I feel the same way about Rio. So, yeah. Anyway, (sighs) I knew this was going to be a a crazy episode and we were going to go back and forth. Hey, that's that's what we're here to do. That's what we're we are here in to on do. A year. If we are not better, like fine wine, then why are we even doing this podcast? <laughs> exactly. Now, did you guys watch NXT? Anything to say about NXT? No, I, I did not I, even watch I, it. I'm going to watch it after the podcast. I only watched uh, uh, clips of it when I'd flip back and forth, which coincidentally, when AEW is on commercial... So was NXT, which mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that serves no purpose. But um, my only thing was, I mean, and maybe it's just me because I'm not watching it enough. Uh, I was very unfamiliar with uh, quite a few of the talent on the show. My thing with NXT is NXT to me has never been must watch like on a weekly basis, takeovers are much must watch. Yeah, they do have their occasional big matches that I want to check out on NXT. But for the most part, NXT was always I'll watch it if I think about it. And they haven't changed that formula outside of now it's two hours and it's live, but it's still the same. Like, do I need to really watch any of this? I can just wait for takeover or wait for their big pay-per-view and I'm good. So they I, they they have some more work to do. I was really thinking AEW was going to have a lot more work than they really do. And NXT seems like they're the ones that actually need to really, you guys let me know next week after you guys watch it and whatnot. But yeah, to me, it's just like, it's fine, but there's nothing special about what they're doing at the moment. Okay. Okay. But not to, not to end this on a downer. I wanted to end it with Corey's big inspirational speech, but then I saw down at the bottom of my thing, NXT. I'm excited to see AEW's got a big week next week. We're, we're now 
week one post draft. So we're heading into SmackDown this week. I think Kane Velasquez is going to be there. Other things are going to happen. We'll see Heel Bailey do her thing. We will be here to talk about it next week for the only episode 48 there will ever be. Make sure you guys are liking, subscribing, following, watching my movie on Amazon Prime. You know, all of those things that help us out to bring this show to you. Cool, guys? Good. How many how many stars are we looking for, Corey? Uh, <clears throat> five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Well, that felt good. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. When we get together. See you next time. <laughs> Bye.